When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hoop ballers. Let's talk about your balls. Yep, your balls and the area around them. Let's talk about manscaped.com. Go there and use promo code hoopball20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. Use the promo code and go check out all the tools they have of trimming the hedges and taking care of your lawn. Like the Lawn Mower 3.0 with a built-in LED light to help you get into those dark thigh crevices on the inner parts. Also, the Gooch. It is hard to get to the Gooch if you can't see it. So use the LED light with the anti-tugless technology on the Razor. Full, long battery life. Then... Check out the Weed Whacker. Bring that out of the shed. Use it on your shrubs. Cut down what you need down to bare minimum if you need to. It's got a nice anti-tugless technology just like the Lawnmower 3.0. It's also got a lithium battery. And best news of all, these things are waterproof. So that way you can do it in the shower and take care of business in the cleanest way possible. Hoopball20 is the promo code that's going to get you free shipping as well as 20% off. I recommend using it. I recommend getting the complete care kit with your free shipping and your 20% off. Spend a little extra, get a lot more. There's a good care kit there for us gentlemen. Face scrub, shampoo, ball treatment, and the area that surrounds our balls. I believe there's even a pair of underwear in there for our balls. So yeah. That's going to conclude the talk about our balls. Now let's talk about bets. MyBookie.ag is where all the hoop ballers take care of their winnings and where we place all of our wagers that we post in our article in the wager pass as well as our free plays and our Discord chats. Yes, MyBookie.ag. Use promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Let them know that we sent you. Hell, specifically type in my name. I want them to know. But most importantly, you got to let them know what podcast that is. And it is Today in Sports Betting. You let them know that we sent you. And then we, as a family, get to grow. And then we get to set you up to reap more benefits. And that is what's important to us because we are here to help you win money. And that is why we recommend my bookie. Their slogan is bet, win, get paid. And it's quite simply that easy. Use Bitcoin to get going. That's a high recommendation of VM Center at Vince Miracle, our guy. It's a recommendation of me. It's so easy. Dan Bespris, the podfather, Aaron Bruski, the godfather, they get in there, they get going with Bitcoin, they get their money in and out, and it's easy peasy. Hootball's the promo code. Use that. Let them know that we sent you. MyBookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. Now, as a podcast, we have your balls and your bets covered. And without further ado... We have today in sports betting. The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Welcome back to another episode and another edition of Today in Sports Betting. I am your host, Devin Ellington. We're at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. You can find the show and the rest of the team at Hootball Gaming over there in the Twitter sphere also. Don't forget to check out hoop-ball.com. 
which is the landing page for all of our fantasy basketball content, our great articles. We've got at Talking Sunday, where we call him AG on the hoopball team, going through every NFL team for your fantasy football preseason previews and breakdowns. Talks about what ownerships you should look into for what players. This is an exciting time for hoopball. We just added and created the Hoop Ball Loyalty Program. For those of you who've been with us since the beginning in the red carpet rollout of our premium content over the last year and some change, you've experienced an uh, astronomical amount of growth with us. You've also seen us add lots of professional talent. We've got a bevy of picks for you all the time. Our DFS content is phenomenal. Our fantasy pass and the Brew 150 is just great stuff. The Hoop Ball loyalty program essentially gives you an opportunity for the new this is the new listeners and the old folks alike. But the new listeners are going to be able to cash in a lot. Folks that have been with us from the get-go, you are going to be locking in a forever price, essentially. Aaron Bruski, our main man, the founder, the Don himself, gave an example out. He has a $49 yearly annual cost membership fee to 24-hour fitness. He's had that over the last 10 years now. His has been locked in. They allowed him to lock that membership price in. And if you look at the cost of those prices now, well, Brew got the long end of the stick on that one. And that's what we want to offer to all of our hoop ballers. We have a lot more customized packages. You can combine the DFS and the gambling stuff now. You can just get all the fantasy tools plus the DFS stuff. It's literally interchangeable. We have so many different packages. You can get all of Brew's tools for fantasy basketball um, strictly. Soon, there will be more packages and different price breakdowns, and there's just going to be so much value for you guys. But we are running this little trial period into August that you get to lock your price in, essentially. You name your price for what you want, what product, and what you pay. And you're just going to get more from here on out and your price will never change. So as a way of us saying thank you and just being extremely grateful for y'all as listeners and as fans, we're churning and we're burning. So it's a good time. It's a good time. Today's show Very, very short. We have one baseball game back, and that's the Red Sox and the Yankees before tomorrow. Uh, About eight-ish games getting going on. Today, just a single game. We're going to have a shorter show. I'm going to break this game down probably in a more statistical, analytical way. I'm going to look for different stuff with expected slugging, hard hit percentages, whoa buzz, all that good stuff. I'm just going to kind of dissect this one game for a decent amount of time. We'll probably talk a little college football just because that's who I am. And we have a loaded week next week. Holy camoly Jesus beezes. So next week, I don't want to spill all my marbles, but next week we have a guest on every single show and it's all going to be about college football, baby. So what I may have to do is we'll, we'll get you some uh, mega shows next week. I'll do some recordings where I talk about the MLB card, then I bring the guest in. We'll do some recordings where I have the guest in from the get-go. But man, college football right around the corner. I can smell the turf. I can smell the sweat and the straps of football pads and jock straps. I don't know where I was going with that, but... The smells of football are upon us, and it's close. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football is coming to harness my inner inner Ned Star. I was trying to make a play on words there and it wasn't working. Inner Ned Stark. That just sounds like I'm having a stroke. Um all right. How about Hunter Renfro? <laughs> Weird transition. Uh, Hunter Renfro's actually been really, really well for uh, doing really, really well for the Red Sox leading in All Star break. I think this right fielder for the Red Sox is an important piece. I think the fact that he's got an expected slugging of 495 is huge. His K percentage is one of the team like middling ones. Alex Verdugo's got a 12.9 K percentage, which is team low for the Red Sox. And it's actually just actually crazy. Kike Hernandez, Marwin Gonzalez, Christian Vasquez, all struggle with the hard hit percentage expected Woba expecting bad batting average slugging, all that good stuff. Those three guys, for the Red Sox sake, should probably start getting a churning. They need to start being productive. We're in the second half of the season now, y'all. This is crazy. And this game is just going to be fun to watch. We got a good rivalry game to start. So we have Domingo Yermain on the mound for the Yankees, Eduardo Rodriguez. For the Red Sox, I love fading Erod. You know, just long story short, I mean, it's really hard for me to trust him. He throws almost nothing but a four-seam fastball. He's got a sinker. He throws 12.1% of the time. A cutter, he throws about 18.8%. And a changeup that he throws down and into lefties mostly, uh, 24.5%. And Domingo, your man... Armand, uh, you always say his name differently every time, has uh, actually had a little bit of uh, struggles lately leading into that all-star break. We're still waiting for lineups to be set in this game. But as far as projected lineups, if we want to take a peek and just take a guess, we can do that. I'm looking at this total. First game back, but I might just go ahead and take the over on nine and a half for the simple fact that I don't trust Rodriguez. Domingo Herman has been struggling as of late. He has a 4.44 ERA. Rodriguez, 5.52. There is going to be wind at 10 miles per hour right to left. And right now, Red Sox minus 110, Yankees minus 110. I, you know, with Erod on the mound and these two volatile pitchers for both sides, I'm not looking to really play a side. If I want to say something, I will look at the right handed uh, pitching stats for the Yankees against the Red Sox. The Red Sox against right-handed pitching on the season. Bogarts over 300. 
J.D. Martinez over 300. Rafael Devers, Alex Verdugo over 300. So those four guys could be cogs to keep an eye on for the Red Sox in this lineup. They got a lot of 900 OPSs sprinkled throughout there also. So what I'm looking for is who is going to be able to hit against the hit the pitcher a lot better seeing as we have a righty and a lefty on the mound. The Yankees against lefties, last time I tried to fade them against lefties, they went bonkers. Even though they have the Castro hitting 122 against lefties, Gardner hitting 163, they got one, two, three, four, five, six. So I mean, they only have one guy over 300 against lefties this year, the Yankees do. But again, it's Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm not looking to support him in any way. Yankees team totals at four and a half. With how bad they are against lefties, that gives me a little pause because I know they can do it. I mean, that's that's plain and simple. But will they do it? Probably. I'm on the over in this game, obviously, and it's it's pushed to 10 in some spots now. It, it was nine and a half literally a few minutes ago. Both team totals set up four and a half, both getting heavy shade. Boston getting minus 120 on theirs, Yankees minus 115. So l- this is what I'm looking to do here. And I don't do half unit plays very often, but I want to try something here. I'm going to take half a unit and I'm going to put that on both team totals over four and a half for both teams. I could see this being like a six, five game, lots of runs early. I also am going to be looking at the over, like I already stated. These team totals are speaking out to me. The Red Sox do not have a lot of whiff percentage. Um, They have more guys seeing the ball better than not in that department. Domingo Herman allows a lot of exit velocity. He hit he has a 39.2 hard hit percentage. His expected woba is over 300. Sluggings at uh, expected sluggings at 434. K percentage is only 21.9%. So he's got almost all blue cold numbers on his baseball savant page. E Rodriguez has all red which makes no sense to me. Both of these guys don't walk a ton. They are both along the lines of the top percentiles in the MLB. Both pitchers, ground ball pitchers, over 44% for Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, I'm just trying to find like a, a random number, you know, something that, Sticks out a lot to me. A lot of guys do not whiff on Erod stuff. So there's something. He gets first pitch swung on 66.2% of the time, and his first pitches are typically right down the heart of the plate. Zone percentage 50.6% of his pitches are in the zone. 68.3 zone swinging percentage. So batters swing at his stuff that's in the zone 68.3% of the time. Man, I love breaking these numbers down. There's there's so many different just cool stats that go into baseball. And I think that if we look here, I'm going to pop open Domingo – Herman's baseball savant page. I want to do some 
pitching splits. I want to look at some stuff on him. I'm going to pull up some player stats on teamrankings.com to look at just kind of, you know, some just overall numbers on who's doing what. Um, So I'm looking at hits allowed right now as starting pitchers. And I'm looking at the bottom, trying to see, you know, I'm just kind of getting a feel. Brad Keller has given up the most hits in the majors, by the way. 63rd, 119 hits, eight more than Kyle Hendricks, Garrett Richards, Antonio Sensazella at 111. So I'm scrolling. All right, so at 32nd. Tied with Zach Davies, Zach Davies and Wade Miley, your main. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I saw Erman as the first name, and I thought it was Domingo, but it was Marquez. So disregard. Let's keep scrolling. Um, man, I'm still scrolling, looking for these guys. All right, so I'm gonna do it the easy way. Command F, and. All right, so this is really weird. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez is not on this list. That's really weird. You'd think it would have, like, all the players. Domingo Ramon's not on here either. All right, so let's let's just look at a different one. Let's try to do uh, runs allowed. We'll, uh, we'll just... Again, this is something I'm uncovering throughout the show as we work through it. Yeah, so I'm guessing that Domingo Armand and Eduardo Rodriguez both have not met the criteria for TeamRankings.com to qualify in this stat so uh yeah well i'm looking uh ground ball outs or your man oh i did it again your man mark <laughs> all right guys i need to lock in i need to focus i'm sorry i'm all over the place all right so team rankings i didn't really find anything let's go back to baseball savant and uh, talk about Domingo Herman a little bit. So his average exit velocity, 42nd percentile. Exit or expected Wobo, 41st percentile. Expected slugging, 25th percentile. K percentage, 35th percentile. Expected ERA, 41st percentile. Expected batting average, 36th percentile. Max exit velocity, 23 percentile. Lots of exit velocity. Walk percentage, he's up in the league leaders. Fastball spin, actually 86 percentile. Um, So, I want to look and see some splits, some basic stats, and see how he fares against folks at home. His left versus right-handed hitters, Stats are, you know, I'll just throw his ERA out there. ERA against lefties, 352. ERA against righties, 527. He's faced 36 more batters um, that are right-handed batters, 10 more hits, 13 more runs than he gives up for Lefties, 25 earned runs, 10 more than 15 against lefties, nine home runs, 13 walks. So we were talking about walk percentage and whatnot being low for these pitchers tonight, but he doubles his walk percentage against righties and with the 
Red Sox lineup. I'm pulling them up now. You know, I feel like they got a lot of right-handed, a lot of right-handed uh, bats. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to think. You know, I'm trying to picture guys on certain sides of the plate. So what I'm going to do here? Pop open their lineup. Which I mean, we're still waiting for lineups to be set, right? So, um, Xander Bogarts, right-handed batter. J.D. Martinez, right-handed batter. Rafael Devers is a lefty, still a dynamic hitter. Alex Verdugo, lefty. Hunter Renfro, right-handed batter. Christian Vasquez, right-handed batter. Christian Arroyo, right-handed. Bobby Dahlbeck, right-handed. Michael Chavez, right-handed. Kevin Ploiecki, right-handed. See what I'm saying? The only lefty really is Rafael Devers. And the Red Sox on the season have handled righties pretty well. The thing that's sticking out to me in regards to these splits are, well, one thing is, okay, so his home games, Domingo Armand roughed up. 0-2 is only his record in eight games, 5.02 ERA, 1.17 whip. 35 strikeouts, 12 walks, 13 home runs at home. Domingo Yerman's given up 13 home runs at home. Wow. Six more innings pitched, or six less innings pitched, about 24 batters less faced at home than he has on the road. He's got nine games on the road, seven games started, four and three record. I really like targeting Domingo Herman tonight. Um, I think that's the way I'm going to be looking at this. Um, based off Boston's offense alone, you know, I don't want to back – Eduardo Rodriguez, but with the first five, the first five being a pick at plus 115. Look, Eduardo Rodriguez has been bad, but 13 home runs at home for Herman is just crazy. His last two starts have been. Pretty, pretty bad. He's only gone, he went three innings and then two innings. Two hits, three runs, three hits, two runs, two home runs his last time out. He, uh, yeah, he's been struggling. He didn't walk anyone his last two starts, but he just gave up all the hits. The highest amount of batters he's walked this year in a single game has been three. He did that against the Angels on the road. Yeah, look, Eduardo Rodriguez is not someone that I really like to support, but with the offensive prowess of Boston, I'm looking, you know, Boston's team total in the first five will be something I'd be interested in. But them as a pick at plus money, at plus 115, we just got to pray and hope that the left-handed deficiencies, left-handed hitting deficiencies, or against left-handed pitching is what I'm trying to say. The way the Yankees hit them, you know, hopefully that stays uh, down. But uh, I think we have some plays. I'm looking to... uh, play those team totals like I said 
I like the over. Boston minus, or I'm sorry, Boston is a pick. Minus a half run in the first five. And before we wrap this all up, let's just take a peek. Let's take a peek at some uh, individual matchups here. Who's got what success? We will uh, break down what these teams typically do against the guys. So I'm going to look at some props too. Strikeout props. Right now, Domingo Herman four and a half. Eduardo Rodriguez, five and a half. Honestly, I would look at the under on both of those, but I'm not looking to play them. I just was curious. RBIs, um, let's see. Hunter Renfro to have over half an RBI. Um, plus 162. Aaron Judge to have over an RBI or have an RBI over half plus 135. J.D. Martinez plus 130. Xander Bogarts plus 145. Now hits. Hits. The Boston Red Sox guy that has the most hits against Armand is Xander Bogarts. Most hits, 14 at-bats. He's got six hits, two doubles, one home run, four runs, three ribbies, a walk, two strikeouts, and... He hits 429, 467 on base percentage, 786 slugging, 1252 on base plus slugging, 527 Woba, 357 ISO. He's a magnum, six shooter. Xander Bogarts to have over one and a half hits is at plus 188. Two hits. Hmm. Two hits. Let's see. 14 divided by six. Real quickly off the top of my head is going to be 2.3. So he averages 2.3 hits in his at-bats against Marquez. Or uh, (laughs) I'm doing it again. Dang. Domingo Herman. I don't even have it in front of me now. So... Over one and a half at plus 188. I mean, that's there's some decent value there. Bobby Dahlback, minus 136 to have over a half hit. No, I'm not really looking to play that. Um, Looking through the Yankees guys, there's just not a lot of... Yeah... So, honestly, the only thing that I would look at here, Xander Bogarts over one and a half at plus 188. Some of those RBI props look good. Let's run through the rest of uh, daily baseball data, uh, individual matchups against these guys, and then we can move on into something else or probably wrap up the show. I'm not sure. Spent a lot of time on this game. Wasn't really anticipating it, but there was a lot of fun numbers. So if I look at what the team has done for the you know Yankees as a team against Erod Eduardo Rodriguez, we have seen 830 pitches compared to 365 against Erman for the Red Sox. 186 on the plate appearances, 157 official at bats, 41 hits, seven doubles, one triple, nine home runs. 23 runs, 24 RBIs, 24 walks, 51 strikeouts, a 261 average, 364 on base percentage, 490 slugging, 855 OPS, 373 Woba, 229 ISO. 
ISO's pretty high. A lot of extra base hits. Slugging, pretty high. Again, I mean, it looks like we're going to have a lot of right-handers for the Yankees going against this lefty. But, I mean, it's just... Let me just try to find... Okay, so like Gio Urshela, I think he might have some success tonight. 19 at-bats, 6 hits, 3 runs, 3 RBIs, 1 walk, 4 strikeouts. But he's got a 316 average, 350 on-base percentage, 526 slugging, 876 OPS, 378 WOBA, 211 ISO. Really like Gio Urshela's chances to have some success individually against Eduardo Rodriguez. Aaron Judge has the most, or I'm sorry, Brett Gardner has the most at bats, but he hits 163 against lefties. So bump him. Aaron Judge 25 after Brett Gardner at bats uh, is going to be the next biggest number behind Brett Gardner's 31. Uh, four hits and 25 at bats. A 160 average. Aaron Judge struggles against Eduardo Rodriguez, it looks like. 10 strikeouts. Wow. Eight walks, 10 strikeouts. So it's like, you know, he's either striking out or walking against the guy. I'm looking at Luke Voigt, Glaber Torres, and Gio Urshela. Glaber Torres has nine RBIs, which is the team high in his 19 at-bats and seven hits, one double, one triple, three home runs, four runs, four walks, six strikeouts. Damn. Yeah. Luke Voigt, too, 385 against Erod, a 1231 OPS, 512 Woba, five hits and 13 at bats, three doubles, extra hitting machine, extra base hitting machine. Might look at his total bases play against them in this. Three runs, three RBIs, no walks, six strikeouts, 462 ISO. So between Glaber Torres, Luke Voigt, Gio Urshela, and let's say Xander Bogarts, Hunter Renfro. Nah. I like Christian Vasquez's numbers a little bit better. More exposure. Look, I think these pitchers are just going to have a rough day is what I'm saying. I'd look at... Under, well, let's see, 51 strikeouts in 51 strikeouts in 186 plate appearances. So if I do 186 divided by 51, so that is 3.64 strikeouts per. Or here, what would that number be? No, that would be 3.64 plate appearances per strikeout. I think that's how that would work. And if we do the at-bats, 157 divided by 51. Three at-bats per strikeout, essentially. How many batters will Erod face... in this matchup curious I just don't trust the strikeouts um a lot of guys throughout these lineups do damage to these uh people to these pitchers so with that being said there is a Yankees and Red Sox deep dive we're gonna have multiple plays on it nothing I mean all those can technically be official because they're going to make their way somewhere. Uh, I'm sure personally, I'll be playing a lot of this stuff 
Um, wager pass right up to be coming soon. I'm honestly just really waiting on the lineups to lock in everything. So everything, excuse me, everything is in hold right now. But um, let's get some good old information coming soon. All right, we are done, 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 done with baseball. How about I quickly preview some random college football notes? I'm going to throw out some stats. I want to throw out some random notes about Marshall that I've been finding as I uncover them and preview them. So last year, 2020, obviously a weird year, but I went back and I looked at the least line yards gained. So it's just pretty much winning, you know, pushing the other line the other way. And then you look at all those snaps and you look and you see how well your offensive line pushed the defensive line versus how well the defensive line pushed your offensive line around. Say you have a game where you go plus five line yards because you look at every single snap and you realize we push them for half a yard here. We push them for a yard here. They pushed us for two yards here. We push them for three. It just kind of gives and takes throughout every single snap throughout the game. So say you have a net rating at the end of the game. You take that for the whole season, blah, blah, blah. So these teams, and a couple of them we won't really even take seriously and we'll just kind of throw out because, well, one of them is UMass. They're independent. They didn't really have a season last year. They're terrible. They're the worst team in all the college football. They don't really count until they do, which kind of sucks because UMass is kind of unique. They're cool. So least line yards gained last year, starting in last place at 127th, UMass, 126, Colorado State. I expect this to severely change with Steve Adazio going over there from Boston College and bringing his punch-you-in-the-mouth run game and his style. Look for Colorado State to be a really productive line team this year. Kansas, They'll probably still be back down there. They're, I mean, they, they made a lot of changes this offseason with uh, Leopold coming in from Buffalo, great hire, but their line needs to develop. Michigan State, the talent disparity is there. They had guys transfer out, new coach, Big Ten. They don't have a lot of the Big Ten talent right now, so they're getting pushed around by Big Ten guys. Baylor, their offensive line was young last year. I think that this could be an improved group. They're still not that great of a team, a team that I'm actually really down on, a team that I think could finish last in the Big 12 behind KU. That's right. Syracuse, they're just uh, nothing really to say here other than the fact that they're – try to figure this out. <laughs> they're not going to wow you with uh... – brute force. Let's just say that. They don't have big guys on their line. They do struggle in pass protection. Their quarterback was always under duress. Charlotte, the 49ers, small school. Conference USA. No. Right? (laughs) Oh, no. Or are they an independent? Uh Uh-oh, guys. Daddy had a brain fart. Now, that's weird. I'm never doing that again. Never call yourself daddy. Let me just uh, reference something here. Conference USA. I was right. Okay. See, I know my stuff. But it's just like you, you, you talk about so many teams, right? And you look at so many names and so many colleges and you think you know and then you just end up mixing wires and all that good stuff. So, yeah, Charlotte, Conference USA, I'm looking for them to have a decent year this year. Um, Tough schedule, but um, look for that to be good to go. Northwestern, one of the most heavily affected teams last year in regards to COVID. Um, They normally are a physical offensive line based team. So look for them to improve this year. They were, they rounded out the last spot at 120. 
So from last place down again, UMass, Colorado State, Kansas State, Michigan State, Baylor, Syracuse, Charlotte, Northwestern. In order of teams that I think will improve the most, Colorado State, Northwestern, and Charlotte. I actually look for Syracuse, Baylor, Michigan State, KU, and UMass to be in the same spot or worse come season end. Want to preview a little bit of random win totals here real quickly just to get some stuff out there into your brain. Air Force, six and a half. Akron, two and a half. Alabama, 11 and a half. Appalachian State, nine. Arizona, two and a half. Arizona State, nine. Arkansas, six. Arkansas State, three and a half. Army, eight. Auburn, seven. Those are just the A schools. So we're looking at it. Ones that stick out to me, Appalachian State over. I think they get to 10 wins this year. Arizona, two and a half. I'm looking at the over there just because of the production of defense that they could have here, the uptick and the uh, better rankings that they could fall into. Arkansas, I'm holding put on him, on them, because they have the hardest schedule for the second year in a row, but they were the best team ATS in all the college football last year, if I remember right, or they were for 90% of the season. Auburn, seven. I might look at taking an under there, first-year head coach. Seven's a nice number for a push opportunity, if not uh, a, a win on the under. I don't see them getting over seven. Army, no true opinion. Arkansas State, over three and a half. Yes, Minus 167 on the juice, but I mean, I think it's a lock that they have four wins before the halfway part of the season's done. This is the Arkansas State team that has a lot of offensive talent. They lost their top receiver, but they have a great core of uh, receivers around. The uh, quarterback situation is great. They brought in a talented transfer, Power 5 experience, and um, really looking for Arkansas State to have improved chances this year, too. Bama, looking at their over 11 and a half, you know, them getting to 12 wins makes sense to me. Uh, I think that's an undefeated season. So, I mean, regular season, but uh, yeah. Marshall, their win total is eight. The under's getting even money. They've got a new head coach. They shouldn't have fired Doc Holliday. I don't really understand what was going on there. One thing that really sticks out to me is their uh, consistent special team rankings. I know how exciting open up a team preview with talking about special team rankings, but over the last six years, they've gone, and this is starting in 2020. So 2020 down to 2015, 38th, 38th, 70th, 18th, 86th, 18th. So special teams coordinator, is a first-team special teams coordinator. I uh, First things first, I'm looking for the special teams rankings to probably be back into the 50s this year. First-year head coach, first-year special teams coordinator, and the defensive coordinator is Lance Guidry. Uh, Guidry. He was the defensive coordinator at FCS Southeast Louisiana in 19 and also head coach at McNeese, from 16 to 19, he was a defensive coordinator in Western Kentucky from 11, 2011 to 2012 when the Hilltoppers allowed just 25 points per game in back-to-back years. So this D coordinator, not a, I mean, not a terrible hire, but, um, you know, eight defensive starters back. They lose two of the top three tacklers. Finished 12th in line yards gain last year at 3.02 per. 10 of 11 defensive starters this year are upperclassmen. I said they return eight, but 10 are upperclassmen. I want to just give out my Conference USA preseason top five, how I'd like to rank these teams. UAB number one. Louisiana Tech, too. I think Louisiana Tech will be the dark horse in this conference this year. Western Kentucky, UTSA, which I dearly love. We're going to have Frank Harris, their quarterback, on next week. I did not want to drop the marbles and foreshadow and spoil that, but I'm just too damn daggone friggin' 
friggin' friggin' excited. So um, doggone diggy though. Uh, Marshall at five. I, I look. You look at these divisions, and the divisions, man, in the uh, Conference USA. The best teams are in the West. You got UAB, UTSA, Louisiana Tech, and Southern Miss, who is right there with Marshall in my five spot, to be honest. Frank Gore Jr., that run game, that uh, returning quarterback, um, dual threat, can give teams issues on the edge. Western Kentucky, Florida Atlantic are both tied to be the number one team right now in the forecast in the East for the Conference USA, but I'm not buying Florida Atlantic. I'm not buying Western Kentucky with their lack of offense. Marshall, I slide down there. And then the bottom of this division is Middle Tennessee State, Florida International, Charlotte, and Old Dominion. Just pretty rough stuff there in regards to teams. Top to bottom, the West in the Conference USA, really talented. And honestly, almost all these teams in the West will be bowling. I say that maybe one two teams tops in this West division of the conference USA do not bowl this year. So UTEP's come a long way. Dana Dimmel took over an 0 and 12 team. And then they had their best year ever in conference or in school history last year. And, uh, you know, look for UTEP. Tough, tough defense to uh, win some games that they probably shouldn't. But, look, I mean, the West, UAB, UTSA, Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss, North Texas. I mean, don't forget Seth Luttrell's in his sixth year. And he's gotten North Texas to a bowl game four times. Um, I just don't trust their returning quarterback play. Uh, Southern Miss, man, I'm really excited for that team this year. Uh so to finish off Marshall here, long story short, that Conference USA West just overpowers the East, and Marshall's not even the best team in the East, so they've got to be down there in the five spot, six spot for me. Back into the schedule's tough, and there are multiple games that could trip them up. Florida Atlantic, Florida International, divisional games. I did say Florida International's down towards the bottom, but um, they – Last year, we're the number 121st team in regards to an experience chart that Phil Steele puts out, and they did not benefit from spring ball. So they got reamed. Florida International this year, I think, could be an improved team. And uh, looking forward to having their beat rider on next week. I'm just spoiling everything. Lots of changes at the coaching staff for Marshall is going to be my biggest downfall. The two saving graces of how good this offensive line is and what they return, their line yardage that they'll, they'll – I think they could be a top-10 team in line yardage this year. Uh, 10 out of 11 defense starters is huge being upperclassmen. And then another big knock for me here is they are very young at wide receiver, and I expect down tick in quarterback play. The quarterback play, look, if you break it down, long story short, the quarterback last year for Marshall got lucky and had to play against two really bad teams. They played UMass. They played Middle Tennessee State. And um, they do not draw Middle Tennessee State this year. They do not draw Eastern Kentucky. They do not draw UMass. In replacing those teams, they are going up against Navy, East Carolina, which has an aggressive pass rush for a non-con team. They're playing Appalachian State. Um, actually they do draw middle Tennessee this year. I'm sorry. Um, they've got North Texas, FIU, FAU, UAB. Their last three games are UAB, Charlotte, and Western Kentucky. Probably the three best defenses in the conference USA. Uh, Charlotte, I might push them down to four or five because there's a sneaky, sneaky other defense that I like. Um, UTSA has just got a strong defense. So, long story short, I'm looking at under eight for Marshall. I'll run through the season, what I got here for him. I got them beating Navy um, because I think they'll just be able to be uh, a matching physical force with that line yardage success. NC Central, FCS school, not a bad FCS school, and they don't need to take them lightly, but that's a win. So, 2-0 and out of the gate. 
Losing to East Carolina, Holton Ehlers is a dynamic quarterback. East Carolina's got a lot of speed and a ton of talent coming back this year. Appalachian State, like I said, they win 10 games. Them and Coastal Carolina are going to be atop the Sun Belt. Middle Tennessee, they win. Old Dominion, I believe they win. North Texas, that's a loss. FIU, I believe they win. So here's where it gets tricky for me. I think they split FIU, FAU. I think one of the two uh, teams get them. They are at home after a bye against Florida International. So I think that's the win. But I think Florida Atlantic stumbles them up as they go on the road. They're going on the road to play Florida Atlantic. Um, Then they got to come home and play UAB, the Blazers, November 13th. And that's a loss. Charlotte, I say they win Charlotte, but that could easily be a loss. Charlotte, just not as deep as I would like them to be and with all the defensive upperclassmen. um, Granted, at this point of the year, we're going to be looking at health and hoping that that's a thing. So, And then they finish against Western Kentucky. That's a loss. Um, So I think there's a good chance at a push, but it's not a big chance. And if I'm thinking that there's at least a push – and I don't think that they get over eight. I mean, I got two different plays on the under. You know, I got two different shots to, you know, maybe get my money back or win. So, uh, look, Navy could beat them. Um, they could lose both games against FIU and FAU. Charlotte could beat them. Like, they could lose their last five games. This could be a tough year for Marshall. They got spoiled having Doc Holliday, 10-win seasons, lots of bowling, lots of conference championships, got fired, unrightfully so. Doesn't make sense to me. All right, that was my preview of the Marshall Thundering Herd. Looking at taking that season win total under eight. And we also have lots of Red Sox and Yankees plays for today. We've got baseball back. It's glorious, baby. It's glorious. Baseball is back. College football, like I said earlier, we're starting to smell it. Smell it. We are starting to smell it. And now it's time to indulge. Indulgence in moderation is key. Footballers. Please do not forget about the brand new loyalty program. Please, I want to save you money. So take advantage of this and sign up. If you are an older uh, listener, a subscriber that's been around, take advantage. Do not let it slip by. We're going to be ending it August 16th, I think it is, or August, it's August. August 18th, August 16th. Those dates are all kind of sticking out to me. This was a fun show. I wasn't really planning a lot. I knew I was probably going to babble and ramble a bit because it was a lacking day in regards to what's on the card. But we have lots of stuff to deep dive. And deep dives can make a show fun or it can just make it to where you want me to stop talking. You know, you let me know which it was on Apple Podcasts. Leave me a five-star review if it's deserved. And let me know what we can do to be better. Let me know what I can do to be smoother. Let me know what content you want to know about. Because look, I love talking about everything. I love getting guests on the show. If there's a guest that you want to have on, please let me know. I will do my best. Look, the folks that I've had on the show so far, I didn't think it was possible. Um, I've had folks on from ESPN, um, The Athletic. I've had beat reporters. I'm going to have Division One players on now. Thank you, NIL. Um you know, so let's get jiggy with it. I've been doing the Will Smith thing a lot lately, but it's it's the Willennium, baby. And, um, you know, if, if y'all aren't familiar, go listen to that album. It's a banger. Um, it's a banger. So, hey, look me up on Spotify. We're, good. We're just being so random here. I love crafting playlists. Pick my brain about music, bands, all that good stuff. I, I, I have a keen talent on knowing what band members are in what bands and whose names and chronological of albums and uh, song release dates and years and just all that random bullshit that doesn't really get me anywhere further in life. Um, But I'm talented at it. So Devin Ellington, 
D-E-V-I-N, last name Ellington, like Duke Ellington. Um, since we're talking music. On Spotify, weird bushy head of hair, creepy ass looking mustache. So that, that's how you can see the playlist that I craft. I like to put together some really good ones. And uh, I'm thinking about doing a nostalgic one. Uh, it's, I'm going to call it when I was 12, which I was 12 in 2004. So I want to put together a playlist of all the bangers that were coming out in 2004. So if you got a song that you know, or an album, or an artist uh, that you know, that came out in 2004, uh, you got to let me know. Uh, Get Rich or Die Trying. No, 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 no. The Massacre. No, 50s. No. For some reason, I'm stuck on 50 Cent right now. He had an album come out in 2004. I thought In Into Club came out in 2004. This is a crazy-ass random tangent to go on at the end of the show, and I apologize, but I'm going to wrap it up here soon. His album, The Massacre, came out in 2005 off the top of my head, if I remember. But his debut album, Get Rich or Die Trying, came out. I want to say 2004. I could be wrong. 2003. Ah, so close. Golly, this album's almost 20 years old, y'all. Oh my God, I'm getting old. So many good songs on this album. It starts with What Up Gangsta, and then Patiently Waiting, Many Men, probably one of my favorite 50 songs ever. And then, of course, in the club, Go Shawty, It's Your Birthday, <laughs> High All the Time, Heat, Heat is a damn good song, Bloodhound with Young Buck, and then, of course, P.I.M.P., Like My Style with Tony Yayo, Poor Lil Rich, 21 Questions, R.I.P. Nate Dog, Don't Push Me with Lloyd Banks and Eminem. Dude, this is a... Can't believe this album's almost 20 years old. Get Rich or Die Trying. And then he followed it up with The Massacre. Like I said, okay, I was right on The Massacre's release here, 2005. Man. Piggy Bank, Gatman and Robin, Candy Shop, Out of Control, Get in My Car, Ski Mask Way, Rider Music, Disco Inferno, Just a Little Bit, Guns Come Out, Position of Power, God gave me style. I don't need them. 50 was the king of the world back then, man. I remember being a young, young kid running around trying to talk my dad and my stepmom into letting me get the parental advisory. Hell, they wouldn't even let me get the edited Walmart version of these albums. It was on my Christmas list every year. I was into so much rap back then as a youngster. Fourth, fifth, sixth grade, PD Pablo, freaking Three Six Mafia, uh, Ghostface Killer, Wu Tang, RZA, Jizza, Inspector Debt. You can just, you know, talk about all the Wu Tang. All right, I got to wrap that tangent up because I'm never stopping. Okay, okay, okay. That was really just random, y'all. All right. Who ballers? Thank you for the patience today for letting me ramble. Baseball back tonight. Lock in some bets once these lineups get going. Keep an eye on the Discord chat. If you're not a premium subscriber, I would check it out because Discord is the best reason to do it. I've got a poll that will be finishing up on Twitter in regards to handicapping and previewing another college football team. I did a poll. The teams were Northern Illinois, UAB, um, and then uh, Boise State. We're coming down to the wire. So that's going to be wrapping up soon. You may not listen to this in time, so just keep an eye out on the results and then get a free article out of it. So with that being said, again, I was Devin Ellington at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. This was Today in Sports Betting. You are my listeners, and I appreciate you. I am sending you all of my good vibes and all of my good energies. I hope that you have a great day and a wonderful positive day. Healing if you need it. Experience that love if you can give it. And do something kind for someone today. 
With that being said, today in sports betting is out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.